This is the Affirm America podcast, where we stand up and speak out affirming American excellence. Coming to you deep in the heart of the Midwest, located in an undisclosed log cabin on the outskirts of town, your host, Marquis Vandemark. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Affirm America podcast. This is a special edition interview on this Wednesday, September the 14th, 2022. Thanks for joining us this morning. I'm your host, Marquise Vandemark. Got a beautiful day here in the Midwest. A little bit of cloud cover, keeping the heat down, but it's supposed to get up into the 80s. It's great to be alive in the greatest nation on God's green earth. Thanks for joining us today. I've got some special guests this morning I think you'll find to be very interesting. Let's get right to it. Okay, this is a, uh, this is a special addition today to my daily uh, news and commentary. I've got a couple special guests that's joined me here today that we're going to discuss on the anniversary of Afghanistan and the withdrawal of the U.S. forces out of Afghanistan. I have somebody that uh, was there during the withdrawals and has spent uh, a lot of his life in Afghanistan. And he can tell us some information that you might not get in the mainstream media or other outlets. And he's uh, from Afghanistan. So we invite them here today. My good friend John Dixon, also from the Midwest, is here. And he's going to uh, introduce to you our special guest today. Welcome, guys. How how you doing? Thank you. Thank you, Marcus. Thank Good you for having you, Marcus. us. So, John, uh, you have a special guest, good friend of yours, that we invited on the Firm America podcast today. First of all, let's uh, tell tell us tell him his name and tell us a little bit about uh, who your friend is. Yeah, thank you, Marquis. We're really happy to be with you this morning. It's beautiful here in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, also where we're, we're both uh, speaking to you from. Uh, Aziz Sadat is someone I got to know in the 80s when I was living in the Northwest. He was in Monroe, Washington. I, I visited his Afghan restaurant there. He was still a very young man. He's younger than me. Uh, and But a fascinating background in that he was uh, he's from Afghanistan and was an exchange student in the United States when uh, in the in the Washington State, uh, when the Soviets took over Afghanistan and uh, went through some tragic experiences, his family did, uh, which um, made him very committed uh, to freedom and uh, especially freedom of the people of Afghanistan. So he, uh, from that time, even as a very young man, an exchange student, he uh, started to go back. Uh, to Afghanistan, the, uh, many stories about it, but he uh, worked with the Mujahideen here and there during the Soviet occupation, finally was uh, liberated from that. And then uh, then the whole Taliban regime came in and then that was, there was liberation from that. And uh, I'll let him explain the details, but, uh, and, and also during this time, he worked with a, a friend of mine who was a making a documentary of the Soviet occupation of Afghanistan. That's how I really got to know Aziz. And then... Uh, what know, year we, What year was that, John? 
Oh, uh, that was 86, 86, 87. And uh, then, uh, and uh, we, uh, after 9-11, I, I was in Asia at that time in, in Japan and in Okinawa and uh, just a, a very, I was working with, uh, I'd started the World Trade Center in, in Okinawa. So the Twin Towers was the headquarters of the World Trade Center Association. That uh, attack happened at nighttime in Japan. So, uh, and, and it was, you know, I was, and I was by coincidence teaching a, seminar to the Japanese military officers the Jietai at that time and they were how are you going to retaliate what's America? you know coming into in the morning to the seminar room with the big monitors blaring the you know the twin towers attack and I anyhow I I just didn't know what to do because we couldn't talk call or anybody in in New York so um didn't know what happened to our friends there the World Trade Center Association had two floors there Anyhow, an inspiration came that the way to retaliate would be make a World Trade Center because isolation is what makes a country dangerous. It makes people dangerous. And uh, and so uh, the trade centers help to connect small, medium businesses uh, internationally and to various markets. So we, uh, and I called Aziz, immediately uh, thought of Aziz and he was game and, and it, it was quite a process. Uh, trying to do that, we. Um, uh, but you know that's that's the little background, and and Aziz was able to do some very heavy lifting over there, and was very committed and stayed in Afghanistan since that time, and uh, watched, and he worked closely with the with the government, the leadership in Afghanistan, and also with the various U.S. Uh, departments that were managing things there. So his uh, really firsthand understanding and and i'm sure lots of frustration uh with that and uh especially how things uh worked and and ended up at this point so that's a little background from me but aziz is a very very special uh person who who uh loves afghanistan and also loves the united states understands the value of of uh the american uh, principles of faith freedom family these things are uh, are uh, ser- very precious for him and and what he's been working to um, kind of uh, make available to afghanistan the people there so uh, really and, and I'm very happy as these could finally that process was frightening uh, to me and and uh, really challenging but glad so far everything's worked out and then he and his uh, family are uh, we're together here now in Bethlehem, uh, figuring out next steps and things. So he just, uh, Aziz just got out of Afghanistan right right around the withdrawal when the American troops withdrew. He was there as late as uh, just in August, right? Yes, as, uh, August uh, 22nd of uh, 2021. That was the last week of evacuation. Well, w- welcome Aziz to the uh, Firm America podcast uh, that was a, a very good introduction, John, and we're very appreciative that you could join us today and share some of your insights and experiences that you, you had while living in Afghanistan. You know, a lot of the American people, I mean, they see the news and they, they hear the reports, but, you know, they don't really know too much about what's happening. And it's good that uh, we could have you on here to talk a little bit about your experiences 
and how things, uh, especially in the last few days, how they developed and what you experienced. I think American people would be very interested in hearing about that. So, uh, so tell us a little bit. Uh, you grew up in Afghanistan, is that right? Is that your home country? And uh, thank you, Marquis. Um, yes, uh, I was born in Afghanistan and I grew up in Afghanistan. And as John mentioned, that I was here in the United States to do some uh, as a student. And uh, I came here and went a year high school and went to uh, college in Lower Columbia, and then went to University of Washington. Then uh, at that time, and um, going back in on in 1979, when the, when the Soviets invaded Afghanistan, I was here as a student at, uh, in Seattle, Washington, and I in that. Uh, in, in that takeover, uh, we had we lost many people, and that was my father was part of that. So I lost my father in that uh, mm. takeover, and uh, I was committed to just. I left some of my studies even delayed because I was being involved in the whole process of what was going on in Afghanistan, and um, as we know that there was a, a several groups uh, of uh, Afghan freedom fighters against the Soviet at the time was in Pakistan, and there was uh, quite a few groups are in Iran at that time. Uh, both groups are, are fighting with the, uh, with the Soviet occupation. Uh, we had nothing to do at that time with Iran because of the US relation with Iran, but I was involved very heavily with the one in the Pakistan side. So I made uh, frequent trips to Pakistan from the United States, and I happened to know all the top leaders at the time who were each one had so many fighters and it was um, they were supported by the us at the time and uh, and i spent quite a lot of time in, in peshawar trying to help him out uh, not only with the uh, education system for children in the camps uh, refugee camps but also we're trying to get weapons in there we try to uh, get a channel of um, uh, communication with the U.S. at the time. So, and then I also involved with some contracts with the U.S. military intelligence and the U.S. who are trying to operate in Afghanistan. And um, so my understanding of this big seven groups who operated in Pakistan, I was totally uh, was familiar with them and their operation and then how they do it and the expenses and all the things that they were supported internationally at the time. And um, and then going from there, uh, when 1989, when the Soviet left the country, this freedom fighters supposed to establish a new government in Afghanistan, but unfortunately that didn't really happen because they started on each other, so all this... Uh, groups are start fighting each other it mm -hmm. became a civil war in the country yeah and that lasted five years from 1990 but uh, the, sh the time was short, and the Taliban already took a, a new group, a name of Taliban came in the year 1995. Nobody knew that anything about him before. 
uh, that they started from Kandahar, one of the province in Afghanistan, and soon they took over Logar, another province next to Kabul, and then they took over Jalalabad, which is uh, Ningarhar, another province around Kabul. And then after that, they took over Kabul, this group. Well, they took over. Um, I really um, uh, was on a trip uh, from Kabul to another province uh, toward uh, border of Pakistan, and I was captured by Taliban at the time. So I spent about six months in prison in, in, in the Taliban at the first time, first Taliban time. Wow. Which, what, what year was that? It was year uh, 1996. 1996. What was that like? Uh... Aziz being being captured by the Taliban and how they treated well, you. Tell um, us a little bit about that. I think that'd be it interesting. Was, uh, Marquise, it was such a chaos at the time among Taliban because they were uh, they were supported by the Pakistanis, of course, but they didn't know exactly what was going on themselves, except they were asked to go and take over the cities and, and fighting. Um, when I was taken over, uh, they had no anything of documentation that, that, that I was with freedom fighters or I was against Taliban or anything. They had no documentation. They just told me because I looked a little bit different because I had a suit on and I was supposed to go from Afghanistan to Pakistan to catch my plane to go to China mm. to, for my job. And... Um, they hold me for a couple of days since there was nobody there to have a reason why they were taking me. So I stayed there much longer before somebody else. When somebody from Taliban people came and they look at me, they said, well, uh, I have seen this guy in India. So he might be a spy for India. And oh, boy, misinformation. Time, huh? Yeah. So that, I never been to India at that time. You know, I, I didn't uh, never been in India. Um, and then uh, they said, well, he's been working with, uh, uh, with the Afghans. But anyway, no proof of anything. But uh, they investigated me just like there was, I'm sure there was a lots of other people too there. They investigated me and it took about six months. Wow, uh, you, were, you were captured for a six month period? Yes, I was um, taken to... Uh, an old British prison that they built it in the time of the British in nine, early 1900s. Wow. And uh, I was kept there, and um, it was a couple story below the ground, and, um, and uh, fed once a week, uh, once a day, with about four ounces of bread. Oh, my gosh. A glass of water, and so the entire things. and. Uh, no changes, no bathrooms. There was a bucket in the corner. So if you have any problem. Wow. And, and so it was, I had the same clothes on all of that time. And, um, and so my hair grow and my beard grow. And, and you, you uh, were in your, you were in your suit for the whole six months. <laughs> <laughs> I know when I got in the prison, I, I changed, but, and then, uh, that Afghan tradition clothes I had on, but that stayed on me for six months. Oh my gosh! No bath, nothing like that for no, six months. No, 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 no. Oh it, man! It, we had like uh, five in the morning. Uh, they allowed me to go to the bathroom, but when they put a bag on my head so and tied it, and when when I get close to the bathroom, they take the bag off and let me in for five minutes. Jeez! And, but there was no shower there; it just a toilet. And, how did uh, how did you survive for six months like that, Aziz? That must have well, been uh, it was, I was difficult. Really, um, thought maybe this is 
the end of, for me, you know, at the time. And the worst thing was that my family didn't know what happened to me. So I had no communication. Oh, I can imagine, yeah. So they, they thought I was probably dead or killed in the war somewhere. But anyway, but I uh, had one day a new prisoner was in the jail. And he said that he have a traffic violation. So he might be released. Can I help anybody? And we were about five, six of us in that seal, and we all gave as much information. He put in his shoes, he'd written his hands, and and uh, but a couple of days he was there, and then he, he he they took him out. But he did go to where I told him to do that. Mm. He went and and informed um, a friend of mine who had a shop, and uh, and then that friend contacted my family. And then some of the people that I know in Washington State at the time, Senator, uh, Congressman Jack Metcalf. Okay. And, uh, I was helping with his um, campaign when I was in Seattle, when I was a student. Uh, and um, he got involved and actually through him, I was released. Oh. And uh, so when they released me, and at the end, when I signed all of this documentation, they said, well, sorry, it was a mistake. Oh. <laughs> That's all they said. And then the U.S. Embassy took me inside Pakistan. The U.S. consulate was a woman. She came to the office to receive me from the police there. And then she took me to the U.S. consulate in Peshawar, Pakistan. And they kept me for 12 days before I could really walk. And because I was just to the bones. I bet. Time. You probably lost a lot of weight and yes. dehydrated. And then, and then the first day they brought the phone and said, talk to your family. And mm. that's how, that's how that story goes. Well, what was that? What was that, uh, that telephone call? What, what was that like when you well, called your family for the I first time? Nobody could believe me that it was me. And, and then the, Especially my mother started screaming and crying that he's alive. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and, uh, and anyway, that's um, my experience being six months in prison at the time. But um, when I released, um, I didn't know what to do. I came to the United States for a short time. And then uh, because I stayed here for um, a short time and then uh, Three, four years later, 9-11 happened. Okay. So when the U.S. went after them, and they were, took about uh, less than a week before they were completely out of Afghanistan. And uh, then also I returned back there. Mm. And I pretty much the same leadership who were in Pakistan and also in Iran. Now they're in Afghanistan and Kabul. At that time, I think, when the U.S. started bombing Taliban and entered the city of Kabul, uh, a lot of things happened. I think, in my idea, there was a lot of wrong things happened. Um, people who we never really trusted in the past, as far as the, the leadership, we promoted them again, the United States. So each commander a prominent commander got a land cruiser uh, uh, like this is a land cruiser uh, armored vehicle just like a, a like a humvee or something like that yes it's about a hundred and thirty thousand dollar vehicle okay each one got a, as a gift 
and then plus $200,000 in cash. So there was a so, pay, some kind of a payoff going here. Let me pay off. But these are the people who ruled the countries. And we backed and we got in, uh, the US work with these people. Their, um, their government was formed when they, in the year 2000, I think it was 2003 or 2004, actually, after the interim government, we had an election. Hmm. And uh, I think there's a lot of things happened since I didn't want to go that in detail because when the when the, when the Taliban left, a new government was formed in, in Germany, actually in Berlin, in Germany, who were the United Nations sponsor of the program with the U.S. European countries and the Afghans. They're all deciding about the future government in Afghanistan, which is President Karzai was elected to be the first president of Afghanistan, and that's how we started operating in Afghanistan. So wasn't this was uh, so when. I'm trying to remember when did we go into Iraq? When was that? That was shortly after 9/11, right? Yes. So what was what was it like there during that time when you the war had already started in at in 03, wasn't it? Hadn't it already started by then? In uh, in Iraq? Yeah, in, in the whole that whole region, Pakistan and uh Iraq and I mean yes. it was that whole area was on fire with uh, the whole area was right. Yeah, and I think that's one thing that Afghanistan was abandoned. It. Yeah, they, you know, they weren't, they didn't happen together, Marcus. Marcus, the uh, uh, Afghanistan could have been, if we had kept attention and focus there, I think it would have developed very differently. But a couple of years later, I think it was 2004, yeah. maybe. I, I think, Marcus, in, uh, the way that, that it happened in the beginning, in the year 1989, when the Soviet left, the U.S. Um, the hope was that the U.S. helped the Afghan freedom fighters who've been with them for the last few years. Right, I remember. Yes. Yeah, to take these people in Kabul and have a free election and have a government. Yeah, Reagan. That was the Reagan era, right? Yes, but unfortunately, that didn't happen. They let Afghans to go to Afghanistan and do their own things. Hmm no one behind him to support. So the only one who were behind him was Pakistanis. So the U.S. basically asked Pakistan to be in charge of Afghanistan at the time. Gotcha. And, and, and since that, uh, the country been in trouble up to now. You know, and uh, because that election didn't, they didn't really um, compromise with each other, these groups. They start fighting each other mm. and destroyed most Kabuls, which is not destroyed during the Soviet occupation. Hmm. And uh, about 50,000 people were killed in the war in the city. Yeah. And I was in there at the time. And um, after the war was over, and um, uh, after the Taliban is left, uh, I have a video of the whole city of Kabul. I had a VHS camera on my shoulder and I walked through the city, which is hardly anybody in the city, a city with several million people, you couldn't see one person on the street, not even one car on the street. There's a, maybe there was a couple old buses in the city, but the about 90% of the city was destroyed. And uh, I was even asked by people not to do this because somebody will kill you, you know, when you're filming on the streets. But I did anyway, and uh, I still have the tape. 
you know, has it been about, has it been uh, released at all? Has anybody? No, uh, the tape is. I kept the tape, and it's about four, five, six hours. I see. Of the tapes, and as uh, I went to the top of the roofs of the buildings, filmed down. I went to the top of the mountain and filmed there. And I walked the streets, and everything was destroyed. You cannot even believe it. That was the same city that you see today in, 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 in Kabul. Wow, amazing. And uh, I think that. Uh, but my uh, close contact with the people who I work there, one thing is that in the year 2001, John um, um, and I, we decided to improve the economy and, and do some uh, work in Afghanistan. And for that reason, we took the chapter of the uh, World Trade Center from New York, which is also in the past was blamed that this the tower was hit by the people who were trained in afghanistan uh, the, yeah and, that's and right so, and we took that as a thing to have a world trade center built in afghanistan mm. and we did that and uh and uh, uh other than that i established the um in year 2007 uh, when president karzai was in office and he asked me to see him every day for a consultation about different work in the country. So I did that. In that process, I proposed to a Ministry of Peace for Afghanistan. And uh, he accepted the idea. I came back to the United States at that time and went to the partnership and John and we had also Bill Lincoln Institute. Lincoln Institute out of Tacoma, Washington, conflict. Mm. So, and uh, Mr. Lincoln was a prominent American who had been served on one of the nine judge on the peaceful, uh, Washington Peaceful Institute. Mm. And uh, he had a lot of knowledge. So I took him with me to Afghanistan. So we went to the President Karzai office and we talked with him and we kind of promoted to be, our idea was to we know that according to the Friendship House in, the, um, uh, uh, in Washington and in, in Heritage Foundation in Washington, the, the, the news or the discussion was coming that Taliban is gone out of Afghanistan now, but they will regroup in Pakistan. It will return someday mm -hmm. and start fighting again. And, but nobody really took that serious. So I took the idea to President Karzai and I told him that. He said, well, we think about it, but he didn't really believe me that they're coming back, but we didn't know either, but we were just getting a report. And then in year 2000, and I told, I, the idea was that we're going to ask the Taliban to come back now and be part of the government. Um, and so we don't have to fight them later. And so the idea was that simple. And he mm -hmm. accepted that and, and he said, we will establish this ministry of peace. But President Karzai also connected to Taliban. He had a connection that we didn't know at that time and the Americans didn't know at that time that he had already a connection with Taliban. Okay. The scene. So the Taliban told him at that time that you didn't need have to have this ministry of peace because we are with you and, and, and we, are, we, we don't need that. We are mm. all in one group. And uh, so one day when I was at the palace with president and we had lunch and he told me that, can you hold on on this a little bit? When he said that, I know for sure that he doesn't want it. Right. He was putting so you I off. Called, 
Yeah, so I called Bill Lincoln in Washington. I said, Bill, this is what president says. I don't think if he wants it. He was surprised. He said, well, not, this is not what he told us. I said, well, but right now the tone is that he's, he's like that. Anyway, he, he never came back to us. Yet I meet him all the time there in Afghanistan, but he never discussed that part anymore. Then he asked me, he said, hey, look, my relationship is really kind of uh, uh, sour with the United States. Can you fix that? Can you do something with that? Well, after a long discussion, a few times, I decided that, that maybe I should be in the middle to do something. So I made a trip to Washington, DC. And I talked to John at that time. And we said, how can we do that? And John arranged most of everything in Washington at the time. And I was here to meet with different people and invite Karzai to the Washington to sit with the uh, president or vice president or whoever to see what is the problem. Mm. <laughs> and so, uh, with the assurance from Washington, I went back to Afghanistan. I told president that, yeah, I think we can go to Washington. And when you're ready, give us two weeks. So he said, okay, uh, as soon as you're out of my office, you make that appointment, I go with you. But before I got home, his secretary called me and said, president says, come back tomorrow for lunch. We talk, don't take the appointment. So <laughs> I went back the next day and he said, can you do this in one month? And then later on, he said, well, I'm really busy. Uh, I'm this, this. Can you take my vice president with you? And I refused at first. I said, he cannot talk on behalf of you, so you have to. Mm. Anyway, but I was kind of talked into it that we, I should accept to take the vice president. So I brought the vice president to Washington, and John was with me at the time. And we went to see him. Uh, uh, Dick Cheney sat in his office and talked to him for a few minutes. We went to the Pentagon. We, we talked to everybody. And it was about this, that, that there is a two government in Afghanistan. One is run by America, one is run by the Afghans, but there is no cooperation between, no coordination between the two. So we have to make this one. And, um, and uh, Mr. Cheney asked me that how long I've been doing this. I said, well, for about two years. He said, how come I don't know? And I said, if you were in contact with Pentagon, you would know it. And then he started joking. He said, well, look at Pentagon. I can see out of my window. <laughs> and, uh, I, big big I bureaucracy over there, right? Yeah. I don't know what's going on, how, how we know what's going on in Afghanistan. It's yeah. so far away. Anyway, and the vice president talked to him about it. And they said, we will do something. But they did something. They will send a delegation to Kabul. But at the end, the one who kind of sat back and didn't want to do anything was President Karzai. I so see. That, that kind of uh, fall apart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a typical politician speak. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And uh, then at this administration, uh, the president who left the country, ran away from the country, Ghani, I met with him about, about four or five days before he left the country because we're, we're, we had a huge multi it was a hundreds of million dollar project for uh, building a new city outside of us it was a it, this was a plan for many years ago and uh, but it never happened so, so when they asked me to take over this project by the president office so i said i will do that uh, so i talked to asian development bank and usid uh, jica of japan and thing and they all agreed that we will fund this, you know, part of it at least. Anyway, so I gathered all the money 
And um, the Japanese designed the city, took him two years to design it. Jai had paid for it about $35 million for just the, for the architect to design it. And um, I met with the president to give him a report. And uh, I didn't see, he was worried. I mean, his face, he was very uncomfortable uh, at that day. Uh, he couldn't even uh, really wondering who was around him. He said, who's this guy or who's that guy? You know? and, um, and then he told me that you, know, I have, you have my authority to work in this project under my supervision. You don't have to talk to anybody else to make it work difficult. And I said, all right. So that, that the letter was drafted by the, their office to give that authority to me. Um, uh, and then uh, he, without saying goodbye or anything, he just left. He said, I have to leave. <laughs> hmm. And um, so he actually know what was going on a little bit behind the scene, the situation of the security of the country. Uh, it's, uh, and then he left the country and uh, the Taliban moved in for the second time. The same people. Uh, actually, the leader who is right now, the, the, uh, he was in jail in Pakistan by Pakistani's government. Mm. He was released from the jail and he, he was the head of the peace negotiation in Qatar for, for Taliban. <laughs> now he's uh, the prime minister of the country. Uh, and, and also, we have another group of uh, group of Haqqani's group. Haqqani's group is another fundamentalist group who was operated during the jihad also, but later on became affiliated with the Al-Qaeda and other groups. And, and, and it was a terrorist group as by the United States as it was registered as a terrorist group and also the United Nations. So when you walk the United States Embassy in Kabul, you see this board in there and their pictures in there. $5 million, six uh, $5 million, $7 million, $3 million prize on their head if somebody will. Now they're the Ministry of Interior in Kabul. <laughs> now they're part of the government. <laughs> so this is what makes you wonder that, that how this happened. I mean, I, everybody had something to say. My, my idea was at the time that the US had only 2,000 troops in Afghanistan. And that 2,000 troops will take care of the country without any issue because they've been there for years, 2,000. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And uh, we thought, how if they could stay another year? Another year where the peace negotiation is, is going on and it's finished, we have an election in the government, and then they could leave, maybe, possibly. Yeah. But uh, that was my suggestion at the time, that maybe you should let the youth stay here a little bit longer. And what, what year was this, uh, Aziz? This was last year. Just yeah. last year. So so this is under the uh, Trump administration. Uh, yeah. No, this was... Or this yes, was Biden, Biden administration. Biden administration, yeah. And we thought they, they, should, they should stay here for because the, evacua the evacuation costed almost $800 million. Whoa. So I think... The evacuation have cost eight hundred million dollar. Is that including all the equipment they left behind, or was that just no, the, no, no, was that just to move them, move the troops out? Move. That's the cost with the uh, U.S. Um, you know, Air Force 
and the State Department expenses and all of that. So that's three and a half billion of that was given to State Department, I think, according to the news that was in some went to Pentagon for the expenses. Um, I thought two years of 2000 troops in there, probably it wasn't cost that much. And right. then Afghanistan will be safe. Yes. And, uh, and I, anyway, that, that's what happened on that part of it. Um, the evacuation was another issue. It was uh, unbelievable because the idea was that anyone who worked for the U.S. Embassy or for U.S. Army or affiliated the one with some part of U.S. government in Afghanistan, they're entitled to leave the country. Hmm. But that wasn't the case. The airport was surrounded by thousands and thousands of people and from all directions. And the majority of the people just jump over the wall. Um, and uh, Just everybody, anybody that can get over the, the so wall. When they got to the airport, there is no accountability for them. That Who are they? Right. Well, we saw people hanging on to, to, to planes. Yes. and so uh, they went. Even I would say that they were totally out of control. They didn't. Oh, it looked like to, total chaos so to me. Let everybody yeah. leave. But when they arrived, they didn't leave all come to the United States. The first time they landed, just including myself, we landed in Qatar and another base. And we were, I was there with my family for 11 days. While I was there, there was a huge of these tents, camps, that they were, people were sleeping, interviewed, and finding out who they are. I was translating there as a, as a, just as a volunteer. Mm. So the soldiers there, and they try, and the this young guy came. He says, "Give me a passport." He says, "I don't have it." Gave me, you know, uh, any kind of identification. He says, "I have nothing." He says, "What's your name?" He just gave a name. He says, "You have nothing." He says, "No, I just left the way I am here." So, um, and uh, so the soldiers tried to on his laptop. He was trying to register him, and then gave him a number. He said, "This is your case number." And I asked the soldier, I said, uh, is this how you do it? This is, these people are, you know, they're like a taxi driver or maybe there is a vendor on the street or somebody. Is this is how we qualify? He said, well, this is, I was told to give him a case number. So I'm doing my job. Holy cow. And, yes. And so imagine all of these people like this. Now when they're in the United States, and I complained, you know, to the embassy in Qatar. I said, this is not the right way to do this. And he said, well, yes, yeah, we know, but but I don't know, we, we, we're gonna work on this. We're gonna work on this. But of course, now we have all of these people here. <laughs> how, how many people do you think uh, came in on that evacuation? 74,000. How many? 74,000. 74,000. Yes. And uh, so we don't know, who they are and uh it's gonna be another problem you know and uh any any uh, chance some of those could be uh you know terrorists or people from the yeah, taliban yeah. that have some bad interests for uh, america is that a good possibility that some of those yeah. people could have slipped in some of them are already in jail here for committing a crime uh but some people are having problem here as far as that and but the investigation goes on i guess try to identify everyone but i i doubt if they could identify everybody because everybody now uh with no background check with no background um, 
verification. Uh, even most of them have given names that it's not their names. So they're just floating around here in the U.S. with uh, no ID. Exactly. They're just they're yeah. just here, well, the but no way of really no, tracking the US, them. The U.S. State Department did give him an ID that is for two years. Okay. Uh, good for two years, and then they, in this two years also they can work. Also, it says so employment permit for employment. Um, but uh, unfortunately, you know, some of these people is here that they don't speak their own language correctly and they can read, read and write their own language. Um, and each one of them have five, seven, eight children. And uh, are the it, kids here too? Did the, the kids make it make so, it here as well? Some of them, yeah, most of them brought their kids. See, the thing was that when, when Kabul airport was have five, six gates, some of these only one gate was controlled by the United by the U.S. Special Force. The rest of these gates was the hand of Taliban. That's what I heard. Yeah, I remember gate. hearing about that. Yeah. yeah. So when you go to the gate, so you let your friends in, you let your relatives in, <laughs> and people who you don't know, you ask for money. Can you give me $50,000 if you want to leave the country? Mm. And people have given that much money. I to bet. Who get, to get into the airport because they know once they get inside the airport, there is no question asked, so they, they go. Gotcha. And um, so I think the vast majority, this is what I, I saw when I was there myself, you know, and uh, it, it, it's unfortunate things happen. But by my, everybody's worrying and special people like me who live there and we hoped and a couple of years ago, I was telling my friends in Kabul that we finally made it. <laughs> um, you know, the economy is good, you know, everything is all right. A lot of people go to educated people having job, you know, lots of people are in college. And we thought maybe this is the best time. And I think we made it. But, uh, but unfortunately, it wasn't that case. Um, so and, what, uh, what, what's, uh, what's it like now, Aziz, back in Afghanistan, the people that got that were left there, the people that should have gotten out, the people that supported, you know, American, you know, in some fashion and intelligence or staff or whatever. I mean, what's what's going on, you know, back in country right now with um, after once, the withdrawal? Once the U.S. completed with the withdrawal and then after that, of course, there was thousands of people left behind because the unqualified people took their place to come. Well, the, you know, the Biden uh, administration said there was only a couple hundred people that were left behind. Is no, there, there, how many would you, thousands, th that, thousands with an yeah, S? There, yes, there are thousands of people who were there. And so what, there is not only from the United States, but the people who worked with the British, because U.S. and British worked there. And those people also were left behind. So the British citizens are also stuck British, in country? Yes. Yes, or the or the or or the people who work directly with the uh, British intelligence or U.S. intelligence or they with the military, they're supposed to get out. of the people they're still in Afghanistan. Wow, what a, what an atrocity! That's that's yes. horrible. And uh, they're even in hiding, or they're some of them even uh, smuggled their family through to Tajikistan or Pakistan or maybe to Iran. And we have we have thousands of people waiting in, in at the airport at the base in Qatar, and we have another some thousand people live in the in in, in Emirates, Dubai. Mm. You know the the unknown thing. We don't know 
at least I don't know how many of those people are qualified to come or not. Sure. But at least they're there out of the country and they're demanding to come to the United States. And finally, the United States a few weeks ago made an announcement that we're not going to be responsible for everybody who's out of Afghanistan here. But we will select those people who are qualified and, and those people who are uh, eligible to come to the United States. And uh, I think that should have been done in the very first place. Uh, sure. Not like uh, things is. And uh, my my thing is, uh, um, Mark, is that it's not what happened to the Afghan people. It is what happened to U.S. policy in that region. We have lost Afghanistan and, and Chinese took over it. But the U.S. basically that Afghanistan was a longtime friend of America. And uh, historically, there was so many, everything we did in the West was America. Left the country behind in uncertainty what's going to happen to these people now. Not only that, but we lost a strategic um, point that the U.S. supposed to have a base. Oh, yeah. There. That, and, and that air base was left behind. Yeah. That was and very strategic. Within, within oh. two weeks, we there's 350,000 Army, NATO, and U.S. trained with the best equipment and best training is disappeared. Yeah. $83 billion of military hardware is still there. Taliban is selling now part of that to survive. And it's, it has gone as far as China, it's gone as far as Iran, and uh, it's also sold inside Afghanistan because I had even some friends that I talked to months ago when I was in Indiana. They told me that they have so much weapons now, they're buying from the black market because of US weapons. So everybody have weapons now, and, they, and that's... A, even um, it's probably it's one of the they don't need that much uh, military hardware. Eighty three billion dollars. <laughs> oh yeah, we, we saw pictures of it. It just it was unbelievable what they left behind. Yeah, and uh, just no truckloads of guns and weapons. Yeah, no accountable accountable anyone for that. And and the worst thing is that that we still don't know what's going to happen to Afghanistan because we're just waiting and watching that what's what's what Taliban going to do. Taliban is the same Taliban. The, the wrong thing was this, that Mr. Khalilzad, who was the US representative to Afghanistan, Khalilzad, Zalmai Khalilzad, he said that Taliban have changed. They are no, this is not the year 2001 Taliban. Right. And their mentality has changed, their, their behavior sure it has. has changed. But, and once he said that, then everybody else followed that. They said, oh, no, Taliban is not the same anymore. They have changed. But now we see today that they're worse, actually, than they were worse before. Worse than before. There you go. So before, what's yeah. what's going on now? What are they? What's going on inside the country now with the Taliban and, and uh, the collapse of uh, the U.S. pulling out? What's what's the real story on the ground there? Yeah. The, the Taliban um, having a difficult time to rule the country because most people who run the government or educated, they left the country. They went to the neighbor countries, some, some come here, some other places. Uh, Taliban is not really um, uh, having a constitution. They said, we don't need a constitution. Uh, and uh, they don't, uh, 
um, have a parliament right now because they don't allow elections anymore. Uh, the education system is very limited uh, with a loss of um, uh, conditions, with the, especially for women, how they can attend. Um, the economy is basically is the worst it's ever been in the country. Uh, about 75% of Afghanistan don't have enough food on their table now. Hmm. 75%. It's about $24.4 million, $24 million as announced by the United Nations two weeks ago that they need a desperate help. As winter is coming, it's going to be worse. So instead of that, the Taliban to improve the, the, um, the law of the country, the education system of the country, the security of the country, they get on personal issues on people. Why you shave, uh, you put in prison, why women open their face. Uh, you know, they got in this daily life of people interfering with daily life of uh, personal life of people all the time. And that's, that's what they do right now. Uh, every day there is some announcement that they don't allow anymore. See, my mother-in-law and you know, some of my relatives are, are in Afghanistan. We talk to them every day. The, you know, she's in, um, in, she's in like her almost 70s. Mm. She, she cannot go to a store next door to buy food for herself because she's a woman and some, a man have to be with her. Uh. And, and then she cannot actually have, uh, she have to completely cover her face to go there. And uh, the restriction, people are scared. People are, don't I know bet. what's gonna happen next. Uh, and this is uh, now um, everyone, including the United States here, the Senate um, uh, Foreign Relations Committee also have said many things the last few weeks about how wrong was that that this would draw from Afghanistan the way it happened. And uh, even, believe it or not, the, on the first days that the U.S. left, even the Chinese was complaining <laughs> that why America left in such a bad way that left the people alone. Anyway, they were happy that America left. I guess they've been supporting Taliban, Russia been supporting, Iran been supporting them against the United States. And, uh, and that plus all the corruption that was going on in that country finally brought this government down because people didn't trust anymore to this government. Yeah. And now instead of bringing a new dem democracy, a new government, uh, we lost the whole country with the Taliban now. And um, so it's uncertain at the moment. We cannot really predict what's going to happen next in Afghanistan. Uh, a year is, is uh, gone by. No one have recognized um, officially the government yet. Uh, and Taliban are, um, are um, uh, having uh, extremely difficult time because now they're, um, even their trips are being um, monitored and, and, uh, and allowance of their out of the country. Hmm. Um, see, even the, what they have said that, that to, to make a government, because we're seven, there are 17 tribes in the country now it's not just Pashtun, 17 other tribes. And in the past, almost everybody, according to their ability, they work in the government in different forms, you know, in different uh, departments. But right now, we don't, unfortunately, we don't have that. All the big officials, all the ministries are just one 
from their own groups of Taliban group and they don't change anything hmm. and so the demand was from neighboring country the united nations to have a, a, an inclusive government and that's not happening right now well aziz uh thank you very much for for joining us today on the affirm america podcast we really appreciate you uh sharing your story about uh, your life there and also uh giving the american people some insight of what happened just a year ago, we're on the you know anniversary here. Just just not so long ago, just a couple of weeks ago, and nine eleven. So, uh, what anything that the American people can do? Any anything that uh, my listeners can do to uh, to help with that situation for the Afghan people or for you know anything well, that? Uh, um, I think there is a the need to. Uh, there's a lot of needs out there in the country, but what, besides helping people with their humanitarian help as far as food and clothes, that's a, a different things. But politically, I think, I know there was a survey been taken in the United States, how many people are, was for Afghans and how many wasn't, but the majority of people supported that, that it was admitted that it was not the right way to leave Afghanistan. Absolutely. No but question. I think the, I think if the United States, um, the American people, if they will work through the Congress and work through the, the Senate, that, that the Afghanistan policy is wrong, really, and we cannot leave Afghanistan alone the way it is. Um, we've not only lost our, our political position in the region, but not counting in Afghanistan and Afghan people, just as far as the United States itself. And I think we need to regain that position and you have to be that leadership back in the, in the region. And we need to have the Afghan people have the right to have freedom of their democracy to, to live the way they've they done it for, for, for decades. I think those are the things that American people should support through their government to not to forget Afghanistan. Amen, I agree with you hundred percent. And I'm sorry that uh, America had to leave the way they did. I think that was, really a stain on on america never before has have we left a war the way that we did in afghanistan that was the first time that was that's all on the biden administration that's that was uh inappropriate and it was very confusing and there was no planning it's i feel really bad for the way that happened but uh, well listen thank you very much for joining us today john and uh, aziz for sharing and uh if anything comes up in the future, you know, any any breaking news or anything that uh, you guys are involved in, you know, please uh, come back and we'll uh, we'll share it. We'll 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 talk to the uh, our listeners here on the Affirm America podcast. All right. Thanks so much, Marcus. I yeah. Thanks for your good work, Marcus. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, friends. That's our uh, guest today on the Affirm America podcast. I hope that was of interest to you, and if you would like to uh, reach out to any of these uh, these brothers, uh, Aziz and John. I'll, I'll include their email addresses in my description box if you want to reach out to them. If you have any questions or you'd like to help in any way, I'll make that available for you to reach out to them. So, again, thank you for joining us uh, today on the Affirm America podcast. We'll see you next time. Thank you very much for watching. God bless you, and have a great rest of your day. This is the Affirm America podcast with your host, Marquis Vandemark. And let's never forget, America is great, and we affirm it.